Hello and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock, Editor-in-Chief at Pharma Forum. GLP-1 agonists like Ozempic, Wagovi, and Manjaro are dramatically changing the field of medically-assisted weight loss. Dubbed miracle drugs by some, these new treatments are staggering in their effectiveness. But as with any new treatment modality, others are urging caution with a class of drugs that are still not fully understood. My guest today is Dr. Tim Church. Currently, he serves as the Chief Medical Officer of Digital Behavioral Health Clinic Wonder Health, but his career in researching and treating obesity goes back much further. He's here to speak to me about these new drugs, how they work, and how they're changing the game for patients. So Dr. Church, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, eager to get some of your kind of insight on this exciting time in the world of, of weight loss drugs. To start out, tell me a little bit about yourself and your expertise in, in this matter. Um, this, actually, it's kind of strange. I spent 15 plus years in clinical research. Uh, a lot of it related to weight loss um, and that included weight loss drugs. So I was improving in part of behavioral programs, exercise programs. Um, and actually, some of the early weight loss drugs like Contrave and Qsemia, I actually ran the original clinical trials on those, those medications and, and was involved in the FDA um, approval process for, for them. And then ultimately involved in the launch as I trained thousands of healthcare providers on how to use them. So these new drugs, Ozempic, Wagovi, Manjaro, um, they, they have an interesting kind of origin story, I know. And, and the New York Times recently did a big piece on this. But and for, for those people who are maybe joining this, this story late or not familiar, Talk to me a little bit about how, how we found these drugs and how they're different from what we've had um, in the past for treating obesity. It's going to sound odd because you're going to be like, how did we not know that? So when I went to medical school, however many years ago it was, we didn't know about what you call incretins. What are incretins? Incretins are molecules secreted by your intestines, your, your, your guts, essentially, and they communicate with the brain. Um, what we did know is that your intestines actually have more nerves in them, more neurons in them than your spinal cord. So your intestines, in a way, are like a little brain. And, and, and so there's actually two-way communication going back and forth between the intestines and your brain. One of those incretins is called GLP-1. GLP-1 actually tells your brain you're full. So after when you eat, eventually GLP-1 will get released and it'll tell your brain you're full. And that's where all the GLP-1s came from. Now, where we originally isolated GLP-1s was from a Gila monster <laughs> out of the spit of a Gila monster. I, I think I'm saying it right, G-I-L-A. Um, that was when we first kind of kind of isolated the the molecule, and that was the beginning of the whole GLP-1s, which were originally used for diabetes. An interesting thing about GLP-1s is the molecule itself is actually healthy for your blood vessels, for your heart, for your brain. By the way, it helps with blood sugar control, and because of its impacts on appetite, it'll help you lose weight. So it's not like this was a weight loss drug per se. This was a molecule identified, which by the way, does all these great things, including can help you lose weight. Um, and they originally brought it to market for, for its diabetes impact, its impact on blood sugar. And, and then, then kind of in later stages worked on the weight loss side of it. But 
I mean, another part of the story has to do with how we think about obesity and weight loss, the stigma, the, the notion of, you know, so talk to me a little bit about that and how that has kind of hampered the development of, of these drugs. Where do you even begin? Um, first of all, weight holds a really weird place in our society. It's not quite religion. It's not quite politics. It's not quite money. It's kind of somewhere in between. I also remind people what medical conditions you walk through the supermarket checkout line and see all over the magazines. But we've really come to understand that weight is not about willpower. There was this phenomenal study done in Australia, published in New England Journal a few years ago, and they helped people lose quite a bit of weight through behavioral strategies, eating less and exercising more. And then they watched what happened to their incretins over the next year. Over the next year, the incretins that suppress hunger went down. The incretins that promote hunger went up. So it was the invention of the, of, of the identification of these incretins, which allowed us to do research to really get at the physiology of weight control. We as human beings, and this just makes sense from an evolution perspective, we are not meant to lose weight and keep it off. That, wouldn't, that would be maladaptive from an evolution perspective. So um, it's these incretins that help us maintain what was perceived as a healthy weight, which now that we were, live in a world of abundance, creates the opportunity for unhealthy weights. So that's part of what you're getting at is the recognizing. We don't fully recognize it. We all use the words, but we totally don't recognize it that weight is a medical condition. It's, it's funny, you never judge somebody because of hypertension, or you never judge somebody because their cholesterol is out of control. You never judge somebody because they got cancer, but yet we judge people because of their weight when actually they have far less control over it than we might think. And so these drugs, they, they I mean, I don't know if it'd be right to say it gives people that control, but, um, but it does, I mean, to, to some extent, right? I think it's well said. It, it gives you a fighting chance. And it, it, it's kind of stick with me on this. Weight loss is not actually the challenging part. The challenging part is keeping the weight off. Because over time, your body's like, no, that's not where I want to be. And so the, the drive to eat, the drive to regain that weight is going to be there. So these medications, it absolutely puts you in control. Um, absolutely put you in control. They help you lose the weight, but really more importantly, they help you keep the weight off. My um, father actually just started taking Manjaro. So I, I have now a, a first person account. I, I spoke to him about it the other day and I asked him if I could talk about it on the podcast and he said I could. Um, and, you know, he said that he went out to lunch with my mom and ordered a sandwich he's ordered a million times before and ate half of it and stopped. And, and, you know, took the rest home and, and put it in the fridge. And he's never done that before. And so, you know, it's this dramatic impact of like, you know, he almost like didn't recognize that impulse in himself to just, you know, not not clean the plate. God, there's so much to unpack there. Um, such a great story. Thank you for sharing that. We are so hardwired to clean the plate. I mean, it, it goes back to childhood. You know, we're so hardwired to clean the plate. Um, and you know what these medications do, it's a bit of a metabolic reset. They kind of stop you when you've had enough. Um, and when you do that, um, for some people more than others, you're going to realize, wow, I was eating a lot before. 
And now I'm eating probably the appropriate amount. It's very empowering. It, it, it gives people control back. Um, and, and it'll be interesting as you watch your, you said your father-in-law, watch his journey because there's going to be a lot of different stages along this journey, um, especially Monjero. Monjero, you're losing weight for 18 plus months, um, which, yeah. is, which is unheard of. So that's what I wanted to ask you about, the difference between these different drugs that are out now and, and, and where we might see it going as new ones come out further. Such a great question. Um, you know, you've got the Qsemias and the Contraves, which are combination drugs. They're repurposed. They're not GLP-1s, highly effective medications, particularly in the right, right people. The GLP-1s are kind of a global appetite suppressant. You know, Wegovi and Ozempic are the same things. Just They just put a different label on one and charge more. <laughs> um, Monjero technically is not for weight loss. Monjero is technically for diabetes right now. Um, the weight loss version is going to get approved sometime soon. Um, and those are the, the GLP-1s. There are more in the pipeline many more in the pipeline. Um, some are, most of them are some version of combination medications, GLP-1s plus amylase, so GLP-1s plus glucagon, and a lot of them go after the liver and liver fat, and it, they're incredible because they eliminate liver fat, which really improves your blood pressure, which really improves your blood sugar control, and actually really improves your cholesterol. So, so right now we're really focused on the weight loss of these medications and particularly terzepatide, which is Monjero, the weight loss is stunning. Their last data was on average 27% weight loss. So you're now up there rivaling bariatric surgery. You're, you, and you could, you could argue surpassing bariatric surgery. So you've got these medications that surpass bariatric surgery. The new ones in the pipeline are not only going to have this amount of weight loss, but they're also going to have this particular impact on, 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 on the liver fat. So really improve risk factors. I keep saying this. This, this is an odd thing to think about because these medications were really brought to us by TikTok and celebrities and Facebook and Instagram. But these are potentially the most powerful preventive medications ever produced in the history of mankind. We could potentially almost eliminate new cases of type 2 diabetes. I mean, it's, 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 it's wild to think about. It's almost like a vaccine. You know, you can almost eliminate new cases of diabetes. You can, you can reverse type 2 diabetes in a case of about 70%. And there was a study that came out last week that showed you reduce heart attacks and strokes in healthy people by 20%. So um, is that just because weight is a contributing factor to heart, heart disease or is it just another effect of the drug too? Both. It's both. It's both. And, but the, the direct link, and it's, it's, it's both the risk factors. You're going to lower your blood pressure. You're going to improve your triglycerides, but you're also going to really reduce your inflammation. Um, things like C-reactive protein, which is a well-known risk factor for heart disease. Well, you want to make your C-reactive protein plummet, lose some weight. Um, and these medications produce a lot of weight loss, which is going to lower your CRP, which is going to really um, impact your heart health. That's interesting. And, and, and yeah, interesting you say about inflammation that this might be a little bit of a diversion, but at an event a couple months ago, I was talking to a guy from United Healthcare and he was talking about how crazy that the data was from their, their motion program, you know, just getting people to move a certain number of steps a day. And he, one of the things he said was that inflict, you know, it, um, it, it really affected inflammation in like a lot more than they expected. And, and it had health effects for that reason. So 
interesting to hear you say. No, a hundred percent. Um, you know, but again, the future is so bright. Anything that affects your heart affects your brain positively and negatively. You know, in, in an odd way, your your brain and your heart are virtually identical when it comes to risk factors. So if you're impacting the heart this much, there's got to be a positive impact on, on the brain. And there's actually studies going on looking at these medications and the impact on Alzheimer's. I mean, that's how wild this future is. You know, of course, you're going to be looking at liver health and kidney health and other things. But even Alzheimer's is, is on the table as being potentially impacted by these medications. So let's talk about the potential downsides here. I know people have talked about the fact that, you know, you, once you're on them, you're on them for life and because of the way they work. I don't know. If, if that's not true, let me know. Um, and and there there have been other kind of concerns about like, as there always is with a new drug, what are, what are the long term effects? And, and, you know, is this I know there have also been reports that it affects people's other kind of appetites in the metaphorical sense of, you know, the people report the, a, a reduction in other addictive behaviors, which actually seems like mostly a good thing. But you can imagine how it might make people a little nervous. Um, so what do you think about kind of what, what are the what are the points of caution? What are the areas that need more research? What are the things to worry about? There's 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 some good news. There's some middle news and there's some let's see news. Good news is these been being used for diabetes for decades, now. you know, a dec- 15 plus years. Some of them are actually going off or they're going generic, the diabetes versions of them soon. Um, so that's good news. Uh, other good news is we're going to start having the pill form of it pretty soon. Less injections, more pills. You know, the, 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 the other interesting thing, you're, you're hearing a lot of talk about people taking these medications, contemplating suicide or contemplating hurting themselves. Okay, that's not a weight loss medication thing. That's a weight loss thing. That, that's been known for decades in weight loss, especially bariatric surgery. People who lose a lot of weight, they're not counseled appropriately. They attach things to that weight. I'm going to get a better job when I lose this weight. I'm going to have a better relationship with my sister when I lose this weight. I'm going to fill in the blank when I lose this weight. Okay, those aren't realistic expectations. And then when they lose the weight and all these things they've been pinning on the weight don't come true, well, of course, bad things come into their heads. So this is not a GLP-1 thing. This is a weight loss thing. And this really emphasizes the importance of having strong support as you go down this journey. People who can walk you through this stuff, help you reset your expectations and really, really help you along. So you, you, we're hearing about that, in particularly in Europe. And it kind of makes me giggle. I'm like, this isn't a GLP-1 thing. This is a weight thing, people, you know? And then if you talk about the great unknown, these new medications I'm talking about, the ones that are in the pipeline, they, they really impact liver fat. Those are going to be, we're going to have to watch and see what happens from, from a, from a um, side effect profile because they're less tested. They're less kind of, they don't have decades of experience. So, um, you know, all these things are kind of a bit of eyes wide open. Let's see where it goes. But I mean, you really seem very, very bullish on these. I mean, they've been called miracle drugs. And and it sounds like you think that like, you know, just not when you start to think beyond just weight loss to the other kind of follow on effects, they really could have a huge effect on our overall healthiness as a population. I, I really do. I think if we spent less time focusing on the weight and more time focusing on how these impacts lives and how these impact health, of course, they're going to have side effects. Nothing's free in life, you know that's that's part of the gig but the alternative is you know you're removing two or three blood pressure medications 
You're potentially removing, you know, preventing diabetes. You're going to improve the health of people's knees and backs because of less weight. So yeah, they might be on this for the rest of their life, but you're probably potentially eliminating two, three, four, five other medications. So you're trading one medication for many other medications. Um, I, 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 I kind of sound like I'm being a smart aleck when I say this, but I'm like, you wouldn't take somebody off of blood, med blood pressure medication because it's working. So why do we get so concerned about people staying on a weight loss medication because it's working? It, and it goes back to one of your earlier points is this weird bias we have towards weight. You know, again, you would never say, oh, your blood pressure is awesome. I'm taking off the medication, you know, but yet we're thinking about, oh, your weight is awesome. I'm taking you off the medication. It doesn't make any sense. And, and if I can just kind of jump back to ask a question about, about how it works, this isn't just an appetite inhibitor that doesn't know one thing from another, right? Once they reach a certain weight, it won't cause them to keep losing weight. No, no, no. They'll, 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 they'll find a happy place. You know, they'll, they'll, it'll be, you know, again, about 27, call it 30% of your weight. So someone who weighed 300 now weighs 200. You know, someone who weighed 250 now weighs um, 160. So no, you're not going to drive everybody down into to a weight of 120 or something. As these become more commonplace, obviously the, the standard of care um, for, for weight loss is, is, you know, for the doctor to talk to people about lifestyle changes, right? exercise, diet, all that stuff. And I'm sure you wouldn't argue that that stuff needs to go away. Um, so how do you, what's the balance? What's the role for drugs to play um, and the role for lifestyle and the role for surgery? Well, let's, let's put surgery on the side because there's definitely always a role for surgery. But these medications with lifestyles, one plus one equals three. Um, um, you know, if you're, if you're being physically active on these medications, you lose more weight, you keep it off longer, you feel better, you sleep better. I personally, as an insurer, wouldn't pay for these medications unless people are doing behavioral also. But the behavioral is not just about diet and exercise. It's also about the right support. We already talked about kind of counseling people about realistic expectations, counseling people about saboteurs. When you lose this amount of weight in your life, not everybody in your life is going to be happy for you. Your bowling buddies might feel threatened, you know. Your lunch partner on Wednesday might not be happy that you only ate half the sandwich. Um, you, you gave a great example of that. So, you know, when you support people behaviorally, it's helping them understand there's going to be people in your journey that aren't supportive. Here's how you identify them. Here's how you address them. And here's how you get them to be saboteurs, turn them from saboteurs into advocates. So um it, the, the irony of this whole thing is, is so much more than the scale. To really help people, you need a strong behavioral support program to go with the medications. Yeah, so it really is. It's additive. But that said, I mean, what we know is that just telling people to make lifestyle changes often isn't enough, often doesn't work. You know, fair enough. And I've spent my whole career doing this. But we used to tell people for weight loss, go get 300 minutes a week of exercise. Okay, that's a boatload of exercise. But now with these medications, I can tell people, you know what? Go get me a 20-minute walk. Get me at three or four days a week. That's doable. Go get me 8,000 steps. That's doable. You know, the, the, the requirements to contribute to the weight loss are not nearly what they used to be. It's not that we're asking people to train, train for a marathon here. We're asking people to go out for a walk a couple nights a week. 
or lead a more active lifestyle and, and accumulate those steps throughout the day. Yeah, that makes sense because you know, nothing else applying, losing weight is, is really hard. You've, you've really got to kind of overdo it with your calories on both sides of the equation before your body starts registering at all on the scale. Losing a lot of weight is really hard, for sure. Anything beyond 8 10% is really hard. Um, what haven't we talked about yet that you think is an interesting part of this story? What are you looking at? What are, what are some of the uh, questions you're waiting to see answered as more research comes out? You know, that's a great question. A lot of this comes down to availability. A lot of this comes down to who's paying for this. A lot of this comes down to, um, how quickly things are going to come to market. Right now, the prices are absorbent because there's really only one player in town. That's Wade Govey. They can essentially gouge because there's no one else out there. So as we move forward and as the Mongero version of weight loss comes out there and other weight loss agents come out there, hopefully the price comes down. I, I get it. The pharmaceutical companies, they've got to make their money. That's fair. This seems a little much. The $1,300 a month number seems a little much. You know, but at some point as we move forward and these become more affordable for the masses, um, I, I think that's really that's really what we're all going to be watching. Well, this may be outside your wheelhouse, but in terms of the actual cost to produce the drug, it's, is it is there anything prohibitive there? Forty bucks a dose. No, no complex manufacturing requirements like insulin has or anything. There's a paper out there that says it's forty bucks a dose. That $1,300 dose is 40 bucks. So that hopefully that's what we have to look forward to. And of course, the drug pricing conversation is always much bigger, more political, more complex. But Yes, absolutely. Just trying to think if there's any, anything I wanted to cover that we haven't covered yet. We covered a lot. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating to me. Um, and and I think like it's, it's one of those areas where I, I did a kind of similar but completely different podcast recently um, about Alzheimer's where I had an expert on to sort of explain what the new drugs are, how they work, how they're different. Um, and, and, you know, just like there here, I'm just kind of in awe at the paradigm shift that we're standing on the verge of, the, the sea change that these new drugs and, and, you know, you could say the same thing about some of the, what's happening in cancer. It is, it's really a crazy time uh, for pharmaceutical innovation right now to be living through. You know, you said it really well. Um, it really is. Um, and I don't, in my side of things, it's a little bit frustrating because everybody's so focused on the Kardashians or TikTok or Facebook or the neighbor who got it, who shouldn't get it. And I'm like, none of that matters. That's not real. What's real is we're going to prevent heart attacks. We're going to prevent strokes. We're going to reverse diabetes. Let's bring the conversation back to what matters. Um, and it is, it is a while. I, I keep calling it the iPhone moment. I said, we're, we're never going back to the old way. Anybody who thinks we are, anybody who's waiting this out because they think they're going to go away, they're not going away. If anything, more are coming. So, um, yeah, it's a great time. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. It's been great to get your explanation. I guess the only thing I haven't asked you is to tell me a little bit about Wonder Health. Um, you've, you, <laughs> you, you've gone this whole time without even trying to promote and I appreciate it, but, um, I'd love to hear kind of about the work you do there. Wonder Health, we are, we are a behavioral-based, uh, historically been a behavioral-based weight loss company that only works with employers. We now prescribe. We have a team of prescribers that prescribes these weight loss medications. 
We have a long history of, of, of showing um, how our behavioral program produces weight loss, reduces healthcare costs, have a very positive ROI. We, we have expanded um, what we do, expanded our curriculum to address weight loss medications. And we now have a team of world-class weight loss medication specialists who can prescribe medications for those who qualify. And we will support them about, a, about as well as, as you can be supported. And it's a, it's a digital clinic? Thank you. 100% digital. We, we've always been that way. That's, that's kind of our hallmark is working with huge employers that are spread out all over the place. We can work with any size employer. But, you know, in today's world, um, I mean, digital is kind of mandatory. Yeah, well said. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Church, um, your your expertise for, for sharing it with us today and, and with the listeners on the podcast. And uh, yeah, uh, hopefully this is just the beginning of, uh, of the exciting news in this area. Absolutely. Thank you, Joan. I appreciate the opportunity.